And uh, often I'll just be just mesmerized in the presence of God and and from the passenger seat will just erupt this. Edith is alive. She just decided to join in and worship with me, but just in a loud manner. Who knows that God loves loud people? God loves loud people. I want to, I want to talk today. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. And I've entitled my message, The Blessings of Growing Up. And so I, I want to talk to you today to encourage us, um, to encourage us all to grow up. And I don't say that in a derogative manner. I say that with absolute passion and enthusiasm because this is my heart. I want people to grow up and come into a place of maturity in their faith so that they're not, they're, they're no longer tossed and, and thrown around by all the many winds of doctrine that are out there. That they actually get established in the faith, strong and steadfast. So turn with me. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. So you can follow with me in your version. I just love this translation because it, it, it brings it, it, it brings it alive in a in a sense of, of real passion, I believe. <clears throat> so Ephesians four. As a prisoner in the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your just hang on, I need to get my glasses on. That's why we got them, so we wear them. I, I, I love being married to Edith. I'm, I'm never short of direction in life. So we'll start again. <clears throat> As a prisoner in the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling, with tender humility and quiet patience. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Look to the person beside you and say, I love you and you don't try my patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace so that you will be one body and one spirit as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one and so are we. Look around. We are one. For we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father. He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. And He has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. This is why He says He ascends into the heavenly heights, taking His many captured ones with Him, leading them in triumphal procession and gifts were given to men. Having first ascended into hell, he has ascended triumphantly into the heights of heaven, heaven to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. And he has appointed some in the body with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith and until we all experience the fullness 
of being one with the Son of God. And finally, become one perfect man with all the full dimensions of the spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And then, praise God, our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines or of deceivers, who teach clever lies that sound like the truth, only to pull us into their flock. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all and as these gifts are imparted and operating effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they cut themselves off from their only true hope for, the, their surrender, for they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. It's time to grow up. And um, it's, I, I truly believe that it is God's desire for you and me to grow up. And in, in looking at Ephesians 4, you know, we see this wonderful picture of what the body of Christ truly should be and is becoming. A true father desires for his kids to grow up. And in that growing up, we desire that his kids take on responsibilities, that they fulfill their destiny, their purpose, that they reflect the family values that we hold important. And so, you know, in, in desiring our kids to grow up, we desire our kids to come to maturity in all of these things. The same is the heart of God for the church. He wants each one of you to, come, to, to grow up into maturity, reflect his values reflect his character so that we can be the full man, the full person. In Ephesians 4, Paul encourages us regarding the big picture of what God desires for us. <clears throat> and he's made provision so that we can grow into that. The provision that he has made is by appointing various gifts. He's given gifts so that the body of Christ can flourish. And those gifts are gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What we call, or what is very well known as the five-fold ministry gifts. What for? Why did God give us those gifts? Why did God give people or appoint people to operate in those giftings? For the equipping of the saints. So that you can actually grow up as we lead you and as we impart what God has imparted to us. Now that's not saying that you can't hear from God for yourself. I think there was, there was an old model within the religious community that of where the pastor did everything and was appointed um, as a mediator between the people and God. 
We're living in a time where God wants to intentionally meet with you in an intimate sense. So God has given us these gifts so that we can become a perfect man, so that we can attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what the New King James Version says. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by cunning men, by their craftiness in deceitful wiles. You know, as I was, I was preparing this, I was, I was doing some research into um, various fivefold ministry giftings and so forth. And I, I, I came upon this website that just really disturbed me. Um, all, it, all it seemed to do was um, it, it, it seemed to troll the internet from a critical perspective to find out who was teaching heresy or who might be just that tiny little bit off. You know, maybe they've said something and they said it with a heart, but the way that it came out um, and is recorded, it can be challenged about the validity of doctrinal correctness. And so there's this, this site that has dedicated itself to criticizing men and women of God. And I, I just thought, wow, it's not rocket science. Anyone can point fingers at people and find and, and expose faults. There was not one encouraging word that I saw as I read. I, I just read a little bit and I thought, man, I'm getting off this because this is poisonous. And um, and I, I, I think we have to be so careful that we don't become critical and have this attitude of just finding criticism in within the body of Christ. And that's why we have these ministry gifts, so that we can speak the truth in love, so that we can grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint which it is supplied when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. That's a picture of the church. That's a picture of this body of where every joint is connected. You know, I... The, um, I heard it said this week that one of the one of the things that is is really exciting some people is that um, you know we can't wait for Sunday to fellowship together and to come together and there is a real sense of joy and happiness and contentment since our two communities have combined. And I tell you what, that's good news. That just floats my boat. <clears throat> so the body of Christ is an organic self-repairing organism when it is healthy and in order. So within the giftings that we have that are manifested and and that are um, growing within this body, if there is error, there will come correction. And so it's a self-repairing, a healthy community is a self repairing community. Twice in this passage, between verses um, 13 and 16, the Apostle Paul gives us the ultimate goal of the life of faith. It's the measuring stick by which we can gauge our progress as Christians. How do we do that? Well, it's the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We have Jesus as our example of which we of whom we can model our lives on. And then we have the ministry giftings that can encourage and exhort 
and and motivate people to that end. In verse 15, he urges us to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. It's interesting. The Great Commission is often held up to us as the supreme aim of the church. And yes, it is important. Jesus has clearly sent us out to preach the gospel to every creature. But dare I say it, the Great Commission is not God's supreme and ultimate goal. Romans 8.29 tells us that God's ultimate plan for us is that we be conformed to the image of his son. Evangelism is a means of bringing people into a relationship with God so that God's ultimate goal for them, Christ-likeness, can be achieved in their lives. God's underlining goal then is to produce men and women who demonstrate the character qualities of Jesus Christ. You know, we were, we were guilty for many years in our discipleship um, manner that we were busy about making disciples of the church of set free when we were set free. And, and that, was, that was such a limiting discipleship process. And then we, we heard a, a guy by the name of Peter McHugh and he was talking about this concept of, um, he, he does a, a, a ministry thing on um, above the line. And it, it, it casts or it exposes the difference between program-motivated churches and relationship-motivated churches. And we came into a whole new paradigm of discipleship because we, were, we began to make disciples of Jesus and not of the of set free. God does not want a church that is filled with people dressed in religious robes and perhaps wearing strange hats. But that's not to say that God doesn't love those people. God loves them. And for many years they have played such an important role. But I believe that God wants a church filled with ordinary men and women like you and me who exemplify the extraordinary giftings and the extraordinary attributes of Jesus Christ. Of where we have extraordinary integrity. Of where we walk in extraordinary wholeness. Where we minister in extraordinary compassion. Where we step out in extraordinary boldness and minister in love, being quick to forgive, walking in selflessness and clinging to the faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Every person in this room has this placed in your heart. Because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that he has put eternity in our hearts. And I believe that every man and woman would have a desire to spend eternity with their creator. Some of us just don't know it yet. And that's, that's what I'm passionate about. And I know that 
Brad has been passionate about it in at, at Crossing Point as well. That we want to see people come into the fullness so that they are totally equipped for good works, for kingdom, to step in to everything that God has destined you for. And I believe that that's what church is all about. Church is basically just the vehicle that, is, that God has designed to achieve mature humanity. And, you know, Sean, um, he, he preached so well last week. He alluded to, to, to this a, a little bit in his message as well. You know, with, without other people around you, you can actually think that you have in operation all the fruits of the Spirit. But you put people around you that might rub you the wrong way and all of a sudden you realize that, wow, I've got to grow in some of these aspects. Gentleness. So the church is to fulfill its calling. The calling of demonstrating to the world a Christ-like character. A spirit of lowliness, love and unity that is coupled with resurrection power. We can't forget that God, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, it's going to quicken our mortal bodies. Okay? And, and, and we can do the things, Jesus said it, we can do the things that Jesus did and more. So as we look at this sense of maturity, I believe we need to distinguish between two words. They have a, a sense of um, sameness, but they're very different. And they're words that are thrown around quite common today, and, and there is a genuine desire from people to experience both. One is spirituality. And the other is maturity. See, there's people yearning to be spiritual. Do you know what? You can't be more spiritual than what you already are. Because we are, first and foremost, spirit beings. Now, we can tap in and be have a greater sense of the spiritual, absolutely. So, spirituality, to be spiritual is to have good spiritual health. It involves keeping the mind and the will centered on the revelations of God and on the viewpoint of God about life, which results in a habit of spiritual thinking which trusts God to work in and through you in everyday human activities. That's actually a definition that I got off the net. Pretty good, I thought. But spirituality isn't just limited to faith in God. So there's, there's different type, types of spirituality of whom they um, align themselves to. Maturity. Definition is ripe, aged. The ability to respond accordingly to a given situation. I would define maturity in the Christian sense as the result of experiencing God that motivates us to a fuller understanding of the knowledge and will of God so that we increase in depth as we grow older in God. Maturity requires growth. And growth is a wonderful thing because it's actually God's method in life. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a matter that requires T-A-M-E, time. And it's an crucially important principle that we need to understand. It amazes me, you know, um, when, when Christians give their heart to the Lord and... Um, and, and, and maybe 
some of us have been sold a, a, a bit of a bum steer. We've been told that when we come to, to Christ, that all our troubles will be over. If someone tells you that, run. Because it's not the truth. So it amazes me how often Christians, when they give their heart to the Lord and they find that they still have to work on things, that they begin to think that they're not saved. One of the the key aspects that determines whether you're a Christian or not is where is your faith? If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you're a Christian. Period. Full stop. But what we need to encourage is that in this, those young Christians need to um, identify that there is a process of growth which must follow and it requires time for that to occur. Growth doesn't come by trying. Anyone tried that? Yeah. I've tried really hard to grow. And it hasn't really helped me. One of the things that has helped me immensely is my wife. (laughs) And my faith in God has caused me to grow. A tree doesn't decide to grow. It's a result of what is in the tree. Paul encourages us to grow, to increase in, one, the unity of the faith, two, the knowledge of the Son of God. And if we do that, he says, we will then become mature and the me- and we will line up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The unity of the faith is the shared understanding that we experience within the church of the great truths that are revealed in Scripture. That's what happens when we fellowship together and we talk. We expound these truths and they come to life to us growth toward wholeness and maturity becomes difficult without this increase in the unity of the faith but the unity of the faith has to be accompanied by an increase in the knowledge of the son of God this is something that is experiential and it depends on a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus himself so that we actually come into a space of where we get to know him more and more not just about him but we get to know him personally this encounter occurs when the knowledge of the faith hearing is put into practice doing You can't just hear and not do. Hearing and doing go hand in hand. You cannot know Jesus until you follow him. See, the disciples, they had an acquaintance with Jesus, but they didn't know him until they gave up everything and began to follow him. Some years ago, there was a bumper sticker that went around um, and it it also came out in the form of a desktop um, sign type thing. And it, it, it basically said, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. It's actually a great truth. It's not a statement of an unwillingness to change, but a recognition that change 
actually takes time. It is taking place. It might be slow, but it is taking place. It should not, however, be used as an excuse for laziness or poor character traits. The proper attitude for a healthy Christian is an eagerness to grow. We need to grow out of that children phase. Now, I'm not saying that we're not to be childlike. We're not to be childish. Have you ever asked a a 10-year-old girl how old they are? What do they say when they they respond? They don't say they're 10. Say, I'm nearly 11. And then I'll be 12 and then I'm going to be a teenager. There's an eagerness to grow. There's an eagerness to come into that place of maturity, of what they think is maturity. And I think that's a great model for us as well, that we have this incredible eagerness to grow in the things of God. So some of the things that we need to ask ourselves... as I get back to my place. Some of the things that we need to ask ourselves is, am I maturing? Am I becoming more like Christ? Am I on the way? Is there progress? Am I going in the right direction? The Apostle Paul gave us two practical means by which we may measure our growth, our maturity. One's negative and one is positive. He puts a negative one first so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness in deceitful wiles. Ephesians 4, 14. An important key here. If you wish to see, or if you want to see if you're growing, don't measure yourself by comparing yourself with other people. Measure yourself by comparing yourself to the full measure, the the stature of Christ. Because if you compare yourself with someone else, more than likely, you're just going to get depressed. Because truth be known, the picture that you see of someone else might be blown out of all proportion. You might have them. You might be seeing them through rose-colored glasses. The scripture often exhorts us to be childlike, but never to be childish. They are two different things. Childlikeness is actually, it's a, it's a refreshing simplicity of faith which just trusts God with immediate obedience, without questioning. But child, childishness is actually something of immaturity and instability. The childish Christian manifests himself by unfaithfulness and lack of dependability. Sometimes when, you know, when we see new Christians come into the church, we, we, we ease them into roles so that they can grow. And sometimes they don't fulfill those roles because there, there is not that willingness, there's not that hunger for them to grow. With experience and maturity in the Christian life, things become visible. They're evidenced. And that evidence includes fruitfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The point is this. A mature or maturing Christian 
ought to be increasingly concerned with manifesting the character of Christ through obedience to the word. What about you? How much are you grown? Are you moving from childish attributes into maturity, stability, obedience, confidence? Are you growing in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God? And the second key for us to come into maturity is in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Your progress in maturity can often be measured by the degree of which you accept the truth about others and about yourself. Healing and growth actually come by understanding that you no longer need to make yourself perfect in your own eyes and by your own efforts. You're free to be yourself. You don't have to hide or defend yourself. Yes, you're committed to growth and change, but you no longer feel ashamed and condemned because you're not yet perfect. Paul understood this totally. In Philippians 3, he says, Not that I am already, not, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. He understood what it was like not to be perfect, but he was well and truly on his way there. Paul's own maturity comes from the secret source of Christ's life at work within him. And it was the life of Christ in him that reproduced his life into others. As a result, Paul was empowered. As a result, we should be empowered by God to teach others, encourage others, and bring others to maturity. Every person in this room fits into one of those fivefold ministry giftings. But you're just at various stages of maturity in those giftings. But I would encourage you to um, allow the body of Christ to identify what your ministry gift is, what you are actually um, proficient in. God's design for the church is that we are joined and knit together. We are members of the body of Christ. God's design for the church is that Christians should relate to one another honestly yet lovingly. To carry around within us this mutual, um, dare I say it, truthing in love. That ability to speak the truth to someone so that they actually don't feel like they've been slapped up the back of the head with a 4B2. Where they can actually feel a sense of courage to face what they have to face, to deal with what they have to deal with, and to come in to a place of maturity. The end result of that church will be a place of harmony. And when we operate together in harmony, we will actually be an incredible witness to the world. And that's not to say that it only happens in this building. No, the church is not a building. The church is you and me here, you and me out there, you and me wherever. Take a look around and, and, and you see the other people within this body. I want to encourage you because they're actually God's chosen gift to you. They're instruments in God's hand to bring you into maturity, into development of his gifts over your life. So don't reject God's instruments. Because God actually knows what you need better than what you do. 
You are where you are because that is where God wants you. He puts you with this mob of believers because they are the kind that you need and you are the kind that they need. They may appear to be prickly, but you're not that uncactus-like either. So I want to encourage us, don't struggle with the place where God has planted you. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks, who does not sit in the seat of the scornful, who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What's he going to be like? He's going to be like a tree that is planted by the waters. It's all coming back. <laughs> As each member of this body accepts their role within this body and seeks to carry out that role by ministering to one another in truth and love, we will actually come into an incredible place of health, of where we can, you know, that, that living organism that repairs itself when things aren't right. Each member will be doing what they are meant to do and equipped to do. As gifts are used and love is expressed throughout the body, a harmony will emerge. That's a beautiful picture to, to actually describe the body of Christ. A harmonious body with each one contributing. Yes, there will be pain at times. But through the pain, I can guarantee this one thing. You're going to grow. You will grow. You will come out the other side and you will be richer because of the experience. You will be equipped so that you can actually minister to someone else that is going through that pain that you might have just walked through. Remember that day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, the Spirit of God is actually alive and living and working in you and me. The whole body together is manifesting in an increasing way the wholesome, balanced, well-adjusted character and stature of Jesus Christ. Our goal within this body which is just a small snippet of the greater body of Christ, our goal is that of which Paul has talked about, that we actually come into a place of maturity so that we can stand confident, that we can stand strong, that we actually minister in power and authority because that's what God has given to us. The goal is maturity. The goal is Christ-likeness. So, in closing, I mentioned earlier that God has placed something in the hearts of all mankind. Eternity. It's actually a deep longing and a deep yearning for that eternal connection to our Creator, to our Saviour, to our Lord. And the way that God has actually created us is that without Him in our life, we actually have a void. 
there's like this God-shaped hole in our life and the only thing that can fill it is God. Believe me, I've tried. I've tried to fill it with motorbikes, relationships with women, didn't fill it, always came up empty. But I found that it was filled when I came into that real relationship with Jesus Christ where I actually was truthful with myself and realized that it was actually something that I needed and wanted. And when I invited Jesus Christ to come into my heart, it was like all of a sudden I had this completeness in my life. And from that point on, God has just led me. Sometimes I've been disobedient. Most of the time I think I've been obedient. But I've come into a, an incredible place of where I have such a confidence in who I am and what God has destined for me to achieve. And I want to give the opportunity, if there's someone here today that you have not recognized this in your life, if you haven't come to that place of where you've actually said, you know, I've been in control up until now and it hasn't really worked that well for me, it's time to hand over and invite Jesus Christ into my heart. If that's you today, I would love the opportunity to pray with you. To actually encourage you to take those, those first important steps of walking towards a fullness in your life that you will not regret. If that's you, can you put your hand up? I would love to pray for you. God bless you, brother. I'll meet you after the service over a coffee and we'll chat and pray. That's awesome. God bless you. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. <clears throat> Maybe for others of you, there's a, a sense that, yeah, you've invited Jesus into your heart, but you're still, there's just this lack of clarity in what you should be doing within the body of Christ. Or you haven't really found your niche, your fit in the body. If that's you, I would love as well to be able to pray for you or our ministry team to, to pray for you so that you can actually come into that place of knowing that you know that you know that you know what your gifting is. That you're validated by God himself. Okay? Let's pray. Let's stand. You know, one of the best ways that I've discovered to be able to come into a place of um, impartation, I guess, from God is to take a posture of surrender. You know, surrender is just simply God, I'm, I'm here. I'm willing. I'm wanting. 
I desire that you would actually speak to me today and lead me into truthfulness. And then it's really important, the next step. Because inevitably, you'll hear something. Or you'll get a sense. And it's important that when that sense comes, that you act upon it. That you step out on it. Because if you draw near to God, there is a promise that says that He will draw near to you. So let's pray. Father, we're here today. And God, we're desiring that you would actually minister clarity and direction to us. Father, that you would validate us within this body, within this body of believers, God, that you would give us a niche, an expression, a place of belonging that we can flourish. God, we want to be like that tree that is planted by the rivers of water of whose leaf will not wither and whatever we put our hand to will prosper. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive it. Just receive the, the, the thing that you're sensing or the thing that you're hearing. And I want to encourage you, make a note of it so that in later days that you can actually stand on that as a specific word from God for you. Because when, when the storms come, we need that solid word to stand on. We need that solid sense of God's direction in our life so that we can stand strong. Amen. God bless you. We're going to have a cuppa. Shoot the breeze with someone and um, have a fantastic week. God bless you.